in to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CP4 Thursday, April 22nd. I am Caroline Gonzalez. I know on Monday's edition, we said that we were going to continue our draft preview on Wednesday, but due to a scheduling conflict, we had to postpone one day. We do apologize. But again, I am Caroline Gonzalez. On today's show, I will be joined by my co-host, John DeShazer, and we will be diving into our Carolina Panthers draft preview with Joe Person from The Athletic, who covers the Panthers. Again, that is Joe Person joining us on today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. The Panthers are coming off a 5-11 and season. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey only played three games last season, and the Panthers haven't made it to the playoffs since 2017. So a lot on the mind going into uh, this year's 2021 NFL draft for the Carolina Panthers. And no one better to tell us uh, and give us some insight on the Panthers than Joe Person himself. Joe, how you doing today? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. So happy to have you, Joe. Uh, there have been many reports out um, this week about, you know, not only the NFL draft, but specifically the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers go into this draft with seven picks. They come off of a year that they were five and 11. They haven't played the playoff, made the playoffs, excuse me, since 2017. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey's injury had a huge implications on the team last year, only playing three games. But uh, Joe, going into this year's draft, What's number one priority for the Carolina Panthers? You know what? It, I think the number one priority is to like get some more picks. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like as, as we get closer and closer to draft day, there's a lot of rumblings uh, in and around the organization about trading back out of that number eight spot. Scott Fitter, um, as you guys may know, come, obviously came from Seattle. The Seahawks were notorious, very well known for trading back in the first round, often trading out of the first round to accumulate more picks. Little bit different situation in that the Panthers have a top 10 selection this year where those Seahawks teams, I mean, most years they were picking mid 20s, late 20s. Heck, one year they, you know, picked 32nd after they after they won the Super Bowl. So, um I still think the Panthers and Scott Fitter, the new GM, would be interested in, in going back if it makes sense. I mean, they're not going to go way, you know, too far back, but they've got holes at, at left tackle. They need another corner. Um, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback, uh, but they, I think they're letting folks know that they might. Uh, and, and certainly I think it would be Justin Fields, if anyone. Uh, but I think they're doing that just, you know, to kind of, put a little bait in the water and see if they can get some teams to come up. Yeah. The, oh, go ahead, JD. No, I, I, that was absolutely going to be my question, Joe. Um, how much did it help them to acquire Sam Darnold and maybe pull them out of that situation where they needed to draft a quarterback and maybe now can address other issues? That was a big move. And, and you're right. You're spot on on that. They, you know, this was a team that was in on virtually every quarterback this offseason. I mean, starting like they had Dwayne Haskins in for a visit, like right after the regular season. Um, then, of course, they, they were, made an unsuccessful bid for Matthew Stafford. They were linked to Deshaun Watson. That interest was real. Uh, and I think when Deshaun Watson's legal situation kind of brewed up, the Panthers pivoted. They wanted to, as you said, John, get somebody in. They, they, it was clear they were ready to, to move on from Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, Darnold does get, put them in a position where they don't have to feel obligated to use that number eight pick 
on a Trey Lance if he if he were there or on um, Justin Fields. Um, they could, uh, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I, I get the sense that they, they made that move for dollar. It, it does free him up to do a lot of different things. And uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. You know, Joe, we've all here covered Teddy Bridgewater and obviously Saints fans hold him in such high regard. Uh, Carolina Panthers fans experiencing him last year. What was your perspective on Teddy Bridgewater? Just real quick. I know we want to focus on the draft, but it's not often that that kind of player with that kind of mentality, personality experience kind of comes into your locker room. I thought he was terrific. Um, I, I can tell you this, uh, in a challenging year that you guys, I'm sure, experienced too, from a media standpoint, he was always giving of his time. I mean, win, lose, or draw, he'd jump on the, on the Zooms afterward. Uh, we'd get him then during the week. And uh, he was our uh, local PFWA Good Guy Award winner. In, in one year here. And it's unfortunate. I, I mean, I think in different scenario uh, with a little better offensive line, with the benefit of having had Christian McCaffrey for a full season, I think Teddy's time here would have been different. Um, and, and it's not like he played terribly. Uh, he kind of became the, um, I, I hate to say it, but he kind of wore it on his shoulders for their late game struggles. They were, you know, kind of the now infamous stat. They went 0-8 when they had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win or tie. Obviously, a lot of that falls on the quarterback. Uh, I'm not excusing Teddy for all that. But he had uh, a couple games where he had him in position and uh, the receiver would drop a pass. Joey Sly missed a field goal at Minnesota that would have won the game and should have won the game. So, I think Teddy's going to land on his feet. It, it may be back in a situation like New Orleans where he is just, you know, a very, very capable starting quarter backup quarterback who can jump in and start a number of games without uh, missing a beat. Yeah. He's, he's obviously one of our guys around here, Joe. So, you know, we love him as a, as a person, as much as a player, but he's one of the best people uh, we've ever been around as an athlete. Uh, Joe defensively, We've become so accustomed to seeing Carolina be a Luke Keekley led defense. And I understand he's been out of the game for a little while now, but still, you know, that's kind of the name that's synonymous. What would be their needs defensively? Well, um, probably defensive tackle and corner jump immediately to mind. They did go sign a middle linebacker in Denzel Perryman. That was a big need, as you said, John, at, with Luke Keekley's retirement. They tried to fill that last year, um, and it just did not, did not work out. Um, Perryman comes in. He is a guy. He's had an injury history with the Chargers. Um, if he can stay healthy, healthy, then I don't think that's as big a need uh, as, as I said, corner and D tackle. They let K1 short that they released K1 short in a cost cutting move. They released Zach Kerr. Um, they did go out and sign this week, Daquan Jones, uh, the longtime Titans defensive tackle. They're going to pair him inside with um, Derek Brown. Those guys are both though kind of nose tackles. So they really could use a three tack, a, a three tech uh, penetrator. Not many of those guys in this draft, though. You guys know this is pretty lean defensive tackle draft. I like the corners. I like the top of this corner 
class, uh, starting with Patrick Sertain, continuing through J.C. Horn, and even Caleb Farley. I know he has an injury history, but you hear a lot of talk that, you know, that that guy may be the most explosive of the three corners with the, the biggest upside. So one of those guys, that's kind of why when I talk about trading back, if you're the, if you're the Carolina Panthers, I think you could do that. And, oh, by the way, I, should, I know you were talking about defense, John, but left tackle, too, is still a need. Uh, I just don't think Panay Sewell is going to be there. So I think trading back, staying at eight and maybe taking a certain or trading back and taking one of those other corners, to me, makes a lot of sense. Joe, when you say Patrick Sertain, that just reminds me of how old I am. Um, he's a favorite name around here because, obviously, his dad is from New Orleans. Now, Pat Jr. grew up in Florida, but uh, his dad, I covered him in high school, I think, when he was like a sophomore. So I really, really feel old when any <laughs> Patrick Sertain because you know, when you start covering guys' kids, then you really feel like you've been in the business a, a really long time. But when Christian McCaffrey, how's his health and how does that affect what – the Panthers might want to do offensively in the draft because he can cover a lot of sins if he's healthy. Yeah, for sure. And I, I he's back. He, he was throwing uh, last week with, with Sam Darnold out in Southern California near Darnold's home. I think he's good to go. In fact, I think Christian could have played the last couple games last year, including the, the week 17 finale against new Orleans. I just think it, it reached the point. It was like, what's, what's the point? Let's shut it down. Make sure you're healthy for 2021. Um, and and Christian told us in a wrap-up Zoom at the end of the year that he had to be a little smarter. Like his last injury that uh, of the three injuries for him last year, and luckily none of them were like super debilitating that where you needed surgery. But the last one was him training to to get back from a shoulder, oh. and he pulled and he pulled his quad. And so he said, I, sometimes he's his own worst enemy. I mean, he's, he's a dude, obviously questions out of Stanford about his size and durability. And so he goes hard in the weight room and on the, you know, on the field running in the off season, but I think he's good. I think he's healthy, but I will say the Panthers have an interest later on, on, on day three, probably of bringing in kind of a bigger type back, not that he's going to share carries necessarily with Christian, but but definitely for goal line, for short yardage purposes. Uh, so so that would be something. Uh, it may not fall that way. It's not a huge need, but I think it could happen uh, on day three. Joe, with the Panthers and the Saints, we kind of have two of the heads of the snakes and Alan Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> when Kamara comes out with a video, the videos that he does in the offseason of him doing this crazy like core strengthening thing with rubber bands and stuff, obviously the New Orleans media and then it goes it goes viral. So we kind of all have our own reaction. But from Carolina, from Christian McCaffrey, does he have any thoughts on those crazy workouts? Does he do some crazy workouts of his own? Like with, with us two having the two heads of the snake, like they're kind of the front runners on, on running back workouts. They are. And I, I, I don't know the Christians ever been asked that about uh, Kamara's workouts, but Christian is notorious. I, I mean, he, he really, I did a story on this a couple of years ago. It was during the off season and you know, talking to him about uh, his diet, for instance. I mean, it's like talking to a, a, a career-long uh, kinesiologist or nutritionist. Mm. I mean, he, you know, the calories down to the, 
you know, the mini grams, the milligrams. <laughs> it's I not, like mini grams uh, better. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I'm maxi grams um, on, on calorie intake. Uh, but yeah, he's he he really is kind of you know obviously grew up in an NFL family with with his dad Ed McCaffrey's got brothers who are playing all over the place and collegiately. Um, he that that was that was bad for the Panthers last year. Obviously, I mean they had just given him the huge contract, and uh, you know it was kind of dumb luck. I mean I don't really think like the first injury was a high ankle sprain. The second one was an AC joint sprain. And then I told you about the quad. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even really necessarily, you know, like it wasn't like clearly him being out of shape and he pulled his hamstring. Um, So, you know, they, they, they've got to have him healthy. I want to see what this Joe Brady offense looks like when you've got McCaffrey for more than three games, which is what Brady had to work with last year. You know, Joe, I'm, I'm going to share this with you, and I guess I'll share it with Caroline for the first time. That Thank really you. is not Alvin Kamara. That is my head, his, <laughs> his head superimposed on my body. So that really is not him. But <laughs> how, did the, how did the Panthers feel about receiving? Um, they picked up Robbie Anderson last year. He didn't know who Sir Purr was, but he didn't know how to catch the football. Uh, so, you know, how do they feel about their receiver core? I think they like it. I mean, I know there have been some, some analysts that have, you know, link the Panthers to one of those early receivers at eight. I, I, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, it's best player available mentality and maybe Waddle or, or Devontae Smith, somebody if, if they're sitting there, but uh, I think they like the receiving core. They went out, they, they lost Curtis Samuel to free agency in, in Washington, but they replaced him with David Moore, longtime Seattle slot receiver. Who's not, not, probably Samuel's caliber, but he's not a huge, huge step down. And then of course you mentioned Robbie Anderson and then DJ Moore, who's been pretty solid for them. I mean, he's, he's, he was a first round pick a few years ago, late, late in the first round coming off of that 2017 playoff season. And he's, he's gotten a little bit better every year. And now you look at him and he's like a top 10 receiver in terms of production um, they're going to have to get a deal done with him here pretty soon. He's, uh, you know, kind of coming up into his fourth season. Uh, but the tight end, they could use a little help. That They've got a guy, the former Saint, of course, uh, Dan Arnold, who Joe Brady, I don't think, I think Joe missed him or maybe had him for a year in New Orleans. I forget, but um, but he, he's a tall dude. He's really a pat. I mean, that's that's his game, pass catching tight end. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can do it, you know, over the course of a 16-game season, 17-game season. Yeah, 17. Speaking of that, I I wanted to pivot a little bit. But just to recap, uh, the Panthers going into this year's NFL draft with seven picks, that highlighted pick is at number eight, um, going in, needing a cornerback, someone opposite Dante Jackson, a defensive tackle, offensive tackle, and then, as you mentioned, possibly a tight end as well. Um, But the NFL releasing or saying that they are going to release the schedule this year year on May 12th. Joe, do you have anyone, any opponent opponent that you have circled, anything that you're hoping for, whether it's holiday games, anything like that? Isn't it great too that the NFL like has a release about the schedule? <laughs> about yeah, I was I had to confuse I was confused on my terminology there. Release about the release. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean obviously um I want to get back 
from a personal standpoint, I want to get back to New Orleans. I, I hated covering that game remotely last year, but um, they have a lot of revenge type games this year. It's going to be interesting. Like uh, they they faced Ron Rivera in Washington. They face Cam Newton in New England. They Sam Darnold gets to face his former Jets team. So it'll be interesting to see on, on May 12th if, if any of those games rise to the level. I don't know. One of them might be primetime. I mean, it was still a 5-11 and 11 Panthers team we're talking about. So I don't know that they're going to be all over the primetime map. But with some of those kind of juicy storylines, it, it'll be cool to see if maybe they put Cam against the Panthers uh, like on a Monday night. And for our listeners, you can find the uh, New Orleans Saints opponents home and road on NewOrleansSaints.com. And you can also check out that release about the release uh, for the schedule release coming out on May 12th. Last thing before we let you go, Joe, uh, the NFL approved a few new rules uh, this year, namely the, the number change, which we're seeing players get excited about the numbers that they can have on their jerseys. Which one specifically do you have your eye on? Uh, are you cu- curious about um, going into the season? Uh, now they gave, you know, the replay official a little more leeway. I mean, I, really, I've been kind of fascinated, like you just mentioned, on the number change. Yeah. I know it, it, it's not as, you know, may, maybe not as deep as some of the others. But, um, you know, they have a guy in DJ Moore. I mentioned DJ Moore. He, even before it, it got passed, he was tweeting about maybe getting back into number two. McCaffrey wore a single digit at Stanford, number five. So um, I'll be honest, I have not done a deep dive into some of the other rule changes. I've been kind of covered up. Yeah, it's not a ton. It's the overtime and preseason. It's the maximum number of players in the setup zone, you know, so the the number change is the one that, uh, you know, sticks out to all of us, namely. JD, do you have a different number? The number change sounds sexy, but you have to buy out all of your old numbers from the NFL. That's the problem. So you'll probably see the number change, most of them next year, not this year, because you have to buy them all out if you do it this year. So a lot yeah. of people are saying, I want to change numbers, might not have the money to buy their jerseys <laughs> to say, I want to change numbers. So you'll probably see a lot of the same numbers this year. That's a good point. And uh, Caroline mentioned a big one for us sports type media. Uh, no overtime in preseason. Yes. like. Ron Rivera was great with that. Like any time in a preseason game, the Panthers were headed toward like a extra point and overtime. Ron Rivera was going for two. So I will yeah. be forever grateful for Rivera for doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the I, other ones, JD, that I wanted to get your opinion on was the the replay official. the The official rule says to permit the replay official and designated members of the officiating department to provide certain objective information to the on field officials. And I see you're smiling. Go ahead. <laughs> we nah, obviously have I, a history. I mean, I just feel like officials are reluctant to correct officials. Um, we saw it when they had the, um, when they added it to the replay challenge, basically where, you know, it was offensive or defensive pass interference where some of those were really, really obvious and yet they wouldn't overturn. Mm. So it's just, you know, maybe it, maybe it'll be better received now that it's coming from another official, you know, one of their, you know, brotherhood maybe, um, but you just, it just seems really reluctant that officials are, are willing to overturn other or other officials or say, hey, you guys might want to take another look at this or, hey, I've got a better angle on this. And it, it just seems like it was always an issue uh, a couple of years ago when they tried to implement it. And it was like, 
okay, if this is what you're going to do with it, you might as well just not have it. Mm. Absolutely. Well, those six rules and bylaws uh, were adopted by the NFL this past week. You can check those out um, on NewOrleansSaints.com. Ian Rappaport tweeted them out, so be sure to check those out. Joe, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us some insight on the Carolina Panthers. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Good luck surviving the draft. All right. You too, Joe. Have a good one. Thanks, Joe. All right, great conversation there with Joe Person covering the Panthers for The Athletic. Speaking of online websites, have I mentioned NewOrleansSaints.com? I think I have. Well, you need to check it out because we have plenty of new content for you right now, including Drew Brees and Sean Payton, who were at the Zurich Classic Pro-Am. Drew Brees spoke to the media. He talked about retirement. He talked about many things, and as well as Sean Payton covering, you know, draft topics, uh, their outlook on the 2021 season, so many different things. So be sure to go to neworleansaints.com or you can check out your Saints app if you're on the move and look at those interviews and articles from Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Our own John DeShazer does a fabulous job breaking everything down and giving you the nuts and bolts of what you needed to know from that press conference. On Friday, we will have a draft preview covering the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know we kind of joked that we did that on Monday with our guests, but this time for real, we are going to preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they might look to do in this year's NFL draft. All right, once again, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening.